scriptures this morning and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Father in heaven, God, we ask now that you send your spirit to teach us here today, to highlight your text in our, our lives, give us understanding, give us personal application here today so that we know exactly what you would have us to do and give us the grace to do it, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. When I was a child, perhaps like you, every night my parents would tuck me in and they, they taught me how to pray, or they taught me to pray anyway. A prayer, perhaps, that you prayed when you were but a youth. <laughs> now I lay me down to sleep. Sound familiar to anyone? Yeah, we had all kinds of iterations of that. Uh, <laughs> when we ate, you know, I was taught to pray as well. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Good, good, good lessons there. We should give thanks. Hmm. Sunday school, they taught us how to pray, you know, or they taught us that we should anyway. And I remember singing a song, you know, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Yeah. The importance of prayer. The thing that was lacking in all of this, of course, is, well, what am I supposed to pray about? I mean, am I supposed to pray like everybody else? There's that guy that would stand up with a really deep voice, you know, that would pray in church, things I remember. Words that sounded unusual. In other words, they never used them in regular conversation. Those were prayer words. <laughs> Bestow upon us, Lord. You know, just, it was confusing to me. But when I was a student at Moody Bible Institute, this, this fella came in who was just a really great preacher, and he taught a passage on how to pray. And we're going to look at it right here in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I've come to learn over the year that there are disciplines. There are disciplines that every one of us ought to have into our lives. A, a discipline is, is, is like going to the gym and working out. We do that for the body. But there are disciplines that every one of us ought to be practicing that are good for our soul. That change us from the inside out. That conform us when the spirit of God is using these things in our life to transform us. Spiritual disciplines for the purpose of godliness. And Jesus here in, uh, in chapter 6 is talking about these things, particularly like so much of scripture, there's so much golden instruction that is all in the context of rebuke. You know, we have the first and second Corinthians. The church at Corinth was just a mess but there is such golden teaching because of that. And we have the same thing here in chapter 6. Jesus talking about people who give and they blow trumpets and they call everyone, well, look what I'm doing, you know. I preached a sermon. It's the most popular sermon I've ever listened to. Every week somebody is listening to that. I preached it years ago. It's called Look at Me. You know, and, and when they pray... They get out in front of everyone, look at me, look at me, and they miss it. And so here is Jesus talking about these disciplines that people practiced wrongly. 
But the one that he spends the most time on is prayer. And we're going to take a look at that passage here, starting in in verse 5. And you will notice it starts with these four words. And when you pray. There is something just blaring in that statement right there. It's all actually just a clause. It's the key word when. The expectation from Jesus is that you are a person of prayer. When you pray. That prayer is a foundational practice in your life. You take time. Every day, perhaps multiple times, not just at mealtime for heaven's sakes. To connect with the Lord who died for your sin and rose from the dead. He said, when you pray. And so what we're going to see is four guidelines to lead us in our prayer life. Something that was never really offered to me until college. You know, what are we supposed to pray about? Well, make a list, you know. Well, that's nice, I guess. But is that it? Well, let's face it, if you've ever done that, it kind of turns into a recitation, right? And then there's Charlie, and God bless Phil, and Phil's having a tough time, so help him. And, and, and is that really, do you think, what the Lord had in mind with prayer? It's more, my friends. You hear me pleading with you every week to pray? It's because there's more. There's so much more in the intimacy of your relationship with God. And you will never find it until you begin to pray. Guideline number one in prayer is pray. That makes a fairly obvious statement there. I guess it could have been three. But James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 read, You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. There are some guidelines right there. But the expectation throughout all of Scripture is that we pray. And so this is a moment for us to take a look at our life and weigh it in light of the word of God. And friends, if it don't match, it's time to make a change. So pray. But here you'll notice at the end of verse 5, Jesus continues. And he says, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. And so guideline number one is, or number two is pray with the right motivation, the right motives. And what is the right motive of prayer? It's to be heard of God. It is to express what is in here to the Lord. And you say, well, you know, I try to pray and I'm over it and it doesn't sound very good. And I'll tell you what, there's a guideline coming here, my friends. It's just for you, but my friends here, let's remember, don't pray to impress people. That ain't what it's about. Don't worry about what someone else might think about your prayer. We don't pray to impress people. We pray to an audience of one. 
That's the only person that matters in prayer is not what someone might think of your prayer life. But pray. See, there it is. And when you pray, verse 6, when you pray, see, there it is again, when you pray, not if. There's no if in here, friends. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you pray. You're not praying, you ain't following. You're just not following. So when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Martin Luther said, it is the business of tailors to make clothes and the business of cobblers to mend shoes. And so it is the business of Christians to pray. You will only rise in your Christian life as high as your prayer life. I'd say the question is, do you care? If you do, a change is necessary. So you pray to an audience of one, my friends. You pray to our Father in heaven. The story goes that at one time, Bill Moyers was a, a special assistant to President uh, Johnson, Lyndon B. Johnson. And he was asked to say grace at uh, this luncheon. And so he stood to pray, and, and the president, in the middle of this, this prayer, said, Speak up, Bill, I can't hear you. And which Bill looked up and said, Well, sir, I wasn't talking to you. Talk to your father in heaven. Talk to your Father in heaven. And so, my friends, pray. Pray. My friends, if there is anything you hear this morning, it is the word of God shouting to you the way is to pray. Everything changes when you make time with God a priority. Pray. Pray with the right motives and pray with sincerity. We live in a world where there are other belief systems that repeat quoted prayers over and over again. Our Father, who art in heaven. If I say that seven times and you're, you know, that rash on your thigh, that's going away. We're not casting spells here, friends. We're talking to our Father. And it's a good idea to just take a look at your prayer life. And does it look more like a conversation or a recitation? Because we're talking to our Heavenly Father. No repetition, my friends. Because note here in verse 7, and when you pray, there it is again. Boy, over and over again. Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they'll be heard for their many words. There is no prayer language, my friend. There is only prayer. There are no special words. You don't have to end it this way or it doesn't count. It is not your perfection in prayer that matters, my friend, but your heart. You pray with sincerity. It's not the vocabulary, but the heart that matters to God. You're not there to impress him. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, God must really look up to me. Silliness. And remember this, my friends. God already knows what you need anyway. 
I mean, look at what Jesus says here in verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, then why pray? Right? I mean, if the Lord already knows, what's the point? He doesn't want your words, my friend. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And you'll never know until you start. John Bunyan put it this way. When you pray, rather let your heart be without words than your words be without heart. Heart is all that matters. Not the volume, not the vocabulary, but the heart is before. Sometimes you pray prayers without words. You just cry out to God from your heart. I don't know how to go on. I don't know what to ask for. All I know is I need you. Well, your prayer may not win any words with man, my friends, and it doesn't matter. But sincerity from the heart, my friends, that goes a long way with God. A long way with God. Remember when they were going to pick a king after that lousy Saul dude? Remember that? And that dude had no heart for God. Yeah, he was a big, tall, good-looking dude. You know, the scripture says he was literally head and shoulders above everyone else. The tops of their head came to here. He was a big, tall guy. That would make a great leader in battle. That's the guy we need. And uh, it didn't work out so well for him. But, you know, when they came to picking the second king, the Lord left, led uh, Samuel to uh, Jesse's house. Jesse had a bunch of sons, and they were big dudes. What about this guy? Samuel said, oh, look at that guy, yeah. And he went through all of the sons. And the Lord says, no, none of those. What would you bring me here for, you know? And so Samuel says, do you have anyone else? And Jesse says, well, you know, I mean, we got, you know, David, but he's watching the sheep. And you know what the principle there is? Man looks on the outside. But God looks on the heart. That's the part that matters. And that is the greatest purpose and of prayer. Is it changes your heart. And it exposes your heart. And it causes you to grow. Hmm. Well, when we come to verses 9 to 13 here. We have the opportunity, and this is the guide rail number four. Learn from Jesus' model prayer. Y'all know it. Perhaps you sang the song before, huh? Yeah. Maybe you have a little plaque with that on it somewhere in your house, somewhere in your history. You see, Jesus here in verse nine said, pray then like this. Now, he didn't say, pray this. Again, we're not casting spells. Say it just right and you get your wish. He says, pray like this. In other words, this is a model prayer. These are the topics that ought to show up in your prayer life. It's a primer on prayer, if you will. So he says, when you pray, talk to the Father about the Father. Well, I guess in a conversation you would do that, right? You know, 
oh my goodness, my day, I've had this trouble and I went to here and then I saw this you and well, good to see you, bye. That's not a conversation, my friends, that's a monologue. In a conversation we also listen to, don't we? And we are concerned about the person we speak to. So when you pray, talk to the Father about the Father. Talk to the Father about the Father's person. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed is, is, is uh, easily understood by me in, in sports, in the sports realm. There are some programs that have been around so long, and they refer to this, this place as a hallowed location. You know, this hallowed st- a stadium or these hallowed halls of an Ivy League school. In other words, they're just different. The people who have come through them have become presidents. People who have, you know, there's something different. And, and specifically here, this, this word is related to holiness and how we respond to it with reverence. Remember when Moses was out in Midian Watching sheep. <laughs> what a place to start, apparently. And behold, there was a bush, and it was burning. And Moses said to himself, you may recall, behold, the bush is burning. I will go and see what the deal is. <laughs> and the voice of the Lord came out and said, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. When you go to the Lord in prayer, Perhaps you want to start with this. Where's my heart? Am I reverencing God in my life? Am I careful in listening? Am I careful in living? Hallowed be your name. See, that's both a prayer request. In other words, I want to live in such a way that God's reputation, his name is hallowed. You know, you're the kind of person, my friends, that lives such a careful, holy life that should people slip in their language, they would instantly say, I'm I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying about that, friends? Yeah. I'm going to watch our words and our thoughts and our life. Hallowed be your name. In other words, we want to be concerned about God's reputation, his name. Talk to the Father about the Father's person, his name. And here in verse 10, talk to the Father about the Father's program. Well, when's the last time this showed up in your prayers? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we tend to do is just kind of throw away the stuff we don't really understand and focus in on the stuff we do. Your will be done in my life and in heaven. You know what's concerning about the Lord is his kingdom. He's made some promises that have yet not been fulfilled. They are withheld for the future. And that is that his his son Jesus will reign on this earth for a thousand years. Second Samuel chapter 7, God made this covenant with David. David had this idea in his head. I want to build a temple. Look, I live in this palace. It's wonderful. God's glory is just in a tent. You know, the tabernacle was this mobile tent. Tear it down, move, put it up. 
And God sent the prophet Nathan to him and said, you want to build me a, a house, do you? But what I'm going to do is build you a house. And he was talking about a dynasty. That if you're going to be king in Israel, you need to be a descendant of David from the line of Judah. And that's why we come to the New Testament and we see that Jesus is referred to as the son of David. Promises that God made to David, referring his, to his son, Jesus. In other words, descendant. These things matter to him. This is all moving to the reconciliation of the world. Yeah. It matters to him. You say, well, how am I supposed to pray about that if I don't know what it is? Well, hey, there's a step. Find out what it means. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is going to shape your list of requests here, isn't it? What is God's will in this? Imagine asking for God's will and just, just instead of your own way. Oh, God, the easy way. Just make these people go away. Make that guy leave. Make those people leave the line so I don't have to wait so long, you know? Going to change the way you pray. Follow the guidelines. So when you pray, talk to the Father about the Father, his person and his program. And when you pray, talk to the Father about the family. Look at here in verse 11. Now I want you to take note of the pronouns here and how, how they're all plural. Us and our, not me and mine. They're all plural. In other words... We're not just all about me. We're praying for other people as well. And I'll tell you, this will make a difference. Someday you're praying for missionaries and you never thought of them before because you're concerned about his church and God provide the resources they need. I don't know how they might be struggling today or what stands in their way, God. Open some doors, please. Hmm. It'll change you. I'm telling you. So when you pray, talk to the Father about his family. Talk to the Lord about his provision. Look at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, that's a fairly straightforward request. But I already got bread. What are we talking about? Hmm. Well, I think the key word there, my friend, is daily. The Greek word behind this is the word epiousios. Now, the reason you don't know that word is because this is the only place that word is used in the New Testament. See, it's one of those unusual words that we have to look through history to see how that word may have been used at that time. And what we discovered is it means sufficient for today. Provide for me, God, the bread that is sufficient for today. You see, there's nothing in here about praying about all of those worries that might come and oh, my ankle's been, oh, let's talk about today. Let's talk about today. What I need for today, sufficient for today. No worries for tomorrow, my friend. And you will notice that it's bread, not cake. <laughs> there is no translation that translates this word as cake. It is the basic needs, the needs for our lives. 
give us this day our daily bread. God, talk to the Lord about provision. And talk to the Lord about pardon. Give us and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Well, there's a challenge. Who haven't you forgiven lately? Well, those people that stirred, they just, just burn you inside. You think about their name, you're just steaming. Hmm. Forgive us our debts in the same way that we've forgiven those people. Well, that's going to change, isn't it? See what I'm talking about, the power of prayer, how it brings us nose to nose with the issues of our lives. Hmm. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then Jesus adds this commentary here. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, well, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see how important that is? Yeah, it's a good guideline, eh? Let's make sure our heart is right, not only with God, but with others. Because as Jesus said, you cannot love God and hate your brother at the same time. can't. Can't be done. Can't be done. And so talk to the Father about provision, about pardon, and finally about protection. Protection from sin. Notice verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a very unusual phrase, as if God would lead us into temptation. Because we know temptation comes from within. You know, put a bunch of chocolate brownies out in front of me, and I'm like, got any oatmeal? It's a different experience for my wife. Can I have one of those? Or two or three of those? Yeah. Temptation comes from within, my friends. The condition of your heart. See why prayer is so important? Lead us not, but deliver us from evil. That may be better understood as the evil one. But generic evil is good enough, my friends. Guard my heart. When I am inclined to sin, take away the opportunity. And when the opportunity is there, take away the inclination. Life is a battle. You belong to him. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. So, my friends, let's wrap it up. Since Jesus expects that you will pray, you'd better get at it. Jesus expects you to pray. Get at it. The word of God has so much for us to lead us in the way. Pray. And let the Lord's prayer guide you. It's not about repeating it, my friends. It's almost an outline to prayer. We're certainly not limited to these things. I pray for my family. I pray for my church. I pray for the church. I pray for neighbors. I pray for people that we pray for every Wednesday night. Yeah. It takes me like 30 to 40 minutes. Didn't start that way, though. Yeah, 
As I grew, so did my prayer time. And the same will be true of you. So set a time. Set a time. Put a timer on your watch, on your phone, in your car. I mean, whatever is available. On your wife's phone, for heaven's sakes. I don't know. And get at it. Get away and pray. Anticipate that the, Lord, the Holy Spirit will lead you, my friends. As Andrew, Andrew Murray said, prayer is not a monologue, but a dialogue. God's voice is its most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine. Listening to his voice, I promise you this, you begin to pray, I mean like really pray, and you are going to feel and hear the Spirit guide you along the way of what to pray about, of what to correct you've been praying about. When's the last time you sensed the Spirit of God leading you so clearly? Get praying, my friends, it's been too long. And finally, set a time, pray, anticipate the Holy Spirit of God will lead you and expand your prayer life and watch your life change. E.M. Bounds said, prayer makes a godly man or woman and puts within them the mind of Christ, the mind of humility, of surrender, of service, of pity, and of prayer. If we really pray, we will become more like God or else we'll just quit praying. Which is it going to be, my friends? Friends, if I offered the first person up here a new car, you would leap out of your chair. But this is far greater. This is far greater. From experience, I could tell you this is far greater than a new car, a new house, new legs, whatever it might be, my friends. Get at it. Please, please, for your sake, for the Lord's sake, for the church's sake, you don't know what kind of church we could become what God could do in a church that really prays, please start it today. Please. Our Father in heaven, what does one say? I only plead that you convince us as a church, as individuals, that we must pray. I have pleaded for weeks, maybe months, Spirit of God, do your work. Convince us at such a deep level, God, that we can't just walk away and forget it all. For your glory, God, certainly you deserve this. You are worthy of it, and the reward is great. Help us, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.